Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life. Different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too. Because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush. Plagues. Exodus out of slavery. And the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collywobbles just thinking about it. Last time we were in Exodus 12. And we just finished the last plague. The tenth plague. The firstborns. Didn't they all die? Yeah. The firstborn of all the way from Pharaoh down to the cattle and everything. So so right now we are we're continuing this, by the way, in chapter 12, verse 31. But just so everyone's aware, this is a broken Egypt. Egypt is already they're 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 already distraught. Their economy's been been kind of busted down. Their their religious system's a little wonky now and and Pharaoh himself, which was supposed to be the, 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 the god, quote-unquote, of life, has now been shot down because he can't even keep his own firstborn alive. So, I know, man, I'm starting this out real morbid. Hopefully we can get this upbeat a little bit. Okay, so this is chapter 12 of, in Exodus, uh, verse 31. This is Pharaoh. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise. Go out from among my people, both you and your children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Does anybody know the significance of that one? God is, I think, telling the Egypt, or I'm sorry, telling the Israelites to be ready to leave, like immediately, like knead your dough, but have your bowls ready to leave. You know, don't don't wait for the yeast to be rising up, etc. I'm kind of curious to see if they're metal or not. I think that I think they're just a wooden curved bowl. Yeah, but that'd be heavy. Well, no, not it's not like it's you know three feet wide or something like that. It's only like a bowl. It's like a flat. It's like a what would you call it? A saucer, a saucer bowl, <laughs> to like knead the dough in it. Yeah, but I was thinking of something bigger because you're talking about you're talking about a family bowl. And oh, not I see really, what you're saying. See what I mean? Because you're not talking about just one or two people. Like, a cereal bowl is different <laughs> from actually trying to knead dough into, like, for your family. So you know? so maybe it's like everybody's got their own bowl. Like, right. each family has, like, Right, it's something that you pass bowls. down and that you, like, generation <laughs> to generation. Now the children of Israel... Uh, I'm sorry, this is uh, verse 35. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses... And they had asked from the Egyptian, now do you remember this, guys? Asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, 
articles of gold and clothing. Why was that? Almost like a form of payment, like a um, providing for sort of sort of thing. Right. I mean, they they had been slaves for what a couple hundred years now, but they've been in Egypt for like four hundred years or something. Verse thirty six, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. A mixed multitude went up with them also in flocks and herds and great deals of livestock, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait nor had they prepared previous for themselves. It says 600,000 men. This does not include women and children in this number, just so we're clear. So if there's 600,000 men, it's, and, and I've heard, this is, this is my, what I've heard for calculations is two and a half million people possibly. Right. Well, because I've heard too with the 600,000 men that that's just, um, military age, basically. So it's like if yeah. you're old enough. Mm-hmm. So like in their census, it would be if you're like 18 to 50. So there might be younger men. There might be any men older than 50, like wouldn't be counted. That'd be so. interesting. No, during that time, actually, military age men is actually age 13 and up. I was going to say, I, I thought it was around. Yeah, I was going to say like 14 or 15, but that. Because yeah. you're you become a like you learn how to do all that stuff at the military schools at the age of 13 and go on up. Well, Egypt had, or Israel had the same thing military schools. But, yeah. but still still a good point. That's still a good point for both of you because if it's the military age then yeah, like oh hey, you're 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 a full-blown adult at X age and if it's 600,000 and you're not even including all of the children, all of the women and it says uh what else did it say? Um and it also says verse 38, it also says and a mixed multitude also went with them. Right. And the multitude is, I feel like we talked about that one of these weeks. It's, you know, that's a basically uncountable number. <laughs> it's like a multitude <laughs> is a lot. Right. And all of the flocks. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking, we are literally talking about at least a couple, a couple million people here. Uh, all walking, by the way, on foot. Uh, now the sojourn of the children of Israel, Israel this is verse uh, 40, who lived in Egypt was 430 years. So they spent 430 years in Egypt. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on the very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance. Wait, wait, wait. Um. <laughs> I think it's interesting that yours actually says all the armies of the Lord. Mine says all the hosts of the Lord, but well, isn't the, that a similar word? The, like the literal translation is like Jehovah's forces. So it's interesting that he's calling everyone that's out. He's calling them his army, which then he's bringing them into the wilderness. Which what does he do? He's training them. <laughs> <laughs> so. Training them for battle. Right, right, and I mean, very soon we're in we're in chapter twelve, and very very soon he, we're going to get into the priesthood, the Ten Commandments, like, like 
everything that God's really trying to raise Egypt, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep saying Egypt, Israel to be. Verse 42, and in a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt, this is the night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. Uh, so this is verse uh, 43 in chapter 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner, no foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought for money when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. God always paved a way for Israel to bring people into the fold, because that was the point. He was trying to reach the world. So I'm not, I'm just, I want to gain that clarity. This is not God saying, you know, these genetic people are the only special people in the world. No, God was trying to do something special through them. Uh, verse 45, a sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one hour it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then let him come near and keep it and he shall be as a native of the is of the land for no uncircumcised person shall eat it one law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you thus all the children of israel did as the lord command moses and aaron so they did and it came to pass on that very same day that the lord brought the children of israel out of the land of egypt according to their armies there it is again yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it says, um, like it kind of clarifies. It's like scripture tries to make that point that you just tried to make. Like, but, you know, if <laughs> if someone comes in and wants to keep the Passover, let them be circumcised, which we know from Paul, that that means putting on your old self and putting on your new self as a believer in, you know, God, the one true God. So it's like, if they've said, I don't want to worship pagan gods anymore, I want to worship you, I want to join my family, and then they did the physical thing that they had to do, then, you know, they may eat of it and they were to be like a native. So it's like right. saying that, you know, there's not Passover A for natural borns and then Passover B for, for foreigners who have, you know, decided to join allegiance. It's like once you're, once you're you know, in you the join family, allegiance you're in and then there's one and you're, you're in and... <laughs> You can you can do the thing. I'm glad Susanna said that. Well, if somebody wanted to basically be part of the family or be be in the the fold of of Israel, they had to be circumcised. I I could be oh yeah yeah sure I'll worship your God not a big deal okay let me tell you the story about Abraham do 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 he'll get to the end and be like okay so shing let me get out my sharp knife are you ready to be circumcised whoa 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 it's I'm not that serious about you know being part of your family like I'm I'm just saying that's a serious commitment right there. What was it um. Those two guys that actually wiped out the whole village. How do you get a whole village to go? Yeah, right. I will get circumcised. I will get circumcised. Right, all of the males. Susanna. Oh, um, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. There's. Yeah, something... I mean, I guess just then that it was um, like with Abraham. You know, he. You can. I don't remember if it specifically says, but, you know, he wasn't serving God. So there's, you know, extra biblical ideas that he was 
in a very pagan land, or you know that they called him. Says that they called him from that land to come serve him. So he wasn't serving God, and then, you know, he gave him all these promises, and he promised to serve God. So that that circumcision, and I, I feel like I don't know how much understanding Abraham had of that. Like we have the the benefit of having Paul later, who seemed to like give all these deep metaphorical meanings to what was happening there. Like, you know, he was saying it was a sign of his faith, you know, was getting circumcised. And he talks in Colossians that, um, you know, your whole self, which is ruled by the flesh, you're, 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 you're symbolically like cutting off that old self, you know, by doing that. So it's, I don't know, that's what it represents, at least. Again, I don't know if Abraham understood that or not. He probably yeah, did. Right. He was a to, wise to guy. To the fullest extent, right. <laughs> There is one last thing before we continue. By the way, this is the end of chapter 12, and we're going to continue on. Verse 46, it says in verse 46, so chapter 12, verse 46, it says, In one house it shall be eaten. Talking, This is talking about the lamb, by the way. The lamb that they, they, they roast the whole lamb and they eat it. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house. And this last part, nor shall you break one of its bones. That is really significant because the scripture often compares Jesus as the lamb. When Jesus was crucified, it was a very common practice that if they were going to be crucified and they were just sitting there and they were just you know suffocating and they weren't dying, they would break their legs to further the process because if you broke your leg you know if somebody broke your legs and you're standing there you know you'd suffocate faster basically you'd die faster because you'd break your legs and now your support is gone because your feet are what's holding you up so you can get breath i mean i could see it actually tearing more and you can also get a clot from that that actually throw up through the veins depending on how you did it and i mean there's multiple you mean if ways. somebody broke somebody's legs on, yeah on, oh yeah you're on the cross oh, yeah. because you're 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 standing up and I can actually visually see this giant hammer coming in and actually smacking his legs and just breaking in small little fragments right. of bone and just running through your bloodstream and just cutting it. Everything it it'd on kill the you way. fast. Yeah. But that's what, that was their common practice on the cross. There were, there were at least, we, at least three men. We, we don't know. There could have been more, but there was only, there was only two, three men mentioned Jesus and then the two thieves. Right. The thing is, is Passover was coming and the Sabbath was coming and all, all this stuff, right? The Sabbath was coming. So they, it was anathema. It was bad. Just, just a really bad thing for, to be crucifying on the Sabbath, to be crucifying something on the Sabbath. So the, the, the Romans were trying to get this over with quick, right? They actually went to see if they were dead. Jesus had already died with no broken bones. That was a, a, a a very significant prophecy. Um, Isaiah prophesied that his bones would not be broken. Actually, I believe his exact words were not, not a single one of his bones would be out of place. God himself in chapter 12 of Exodus, before all of these huge prophecies about Jesus were coming out, already prophesied through the Passover service about the savior, because Jesus is the lamb about the savior. And this is one very significant thing. His bones were never broken. I, 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 we need to continue this conversation when this actually comes up because <laughs> I, I'm going to put a pause in this because I'm so confused. Jesus himself in scripture, in the, all throughout the Old Testament, there were, I believe, over 300 prophecies about the Savior, about the one to come. This is just one of them. Like one of them was that his, his, his bones would not be broken, right? 
one of them was about um, how he was going to be killed. No, it's that's it's a good point though, man. It, it really is because, and I know it, unless you know the story, a lot of the stories of Jesus, it's like what? How? What is that significance? But <laughs> I'm still like like it, it's just so many different things that are going through my head. One, how do you bypass the bones in your hand? The when when it says that they were he was nailed to the cross, it's actually through his wrist. Oh, so, so he right do it here. down here. They do it between yeah. the uh, radius and okay. ulna. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, because I can get the pulse right. and the radius and everything in, else. In scripture, it says it says in his hands. It does say in his hands, but you got to understand when the Jews, as part of their, um, um, that makes more sense because there's more ligaments and everything else there. Well, and, and, and it it'll hold strength. you better. It'll yeah. hold you better. It won't shred your hand open. Because there's also two blocking forces in between yep. it. Yep. That so, makes more sense. I, I'm just, just to gain clarity, in the New Testament, it does talk about the nails going through his hand because even when he sa- went to Thomas and said, hey, look at the, the holes in my hands, the wrist in the Israelite's mind was part of your hand because when you washed your hands, they would wash to the elbow. Oh. When you washed your hands, your hand was from your elbow to your fingertips because this is what you use to... to Manipulate. I know we use different things today. I, I get that, but right. but they they they're a little bit a little bit different. But um, and then through the feet was obviously through the the feet itself, the bones between the feet itself. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Wow, man, I, I wasn't expecting to talk about the crucifixion so deeply. <laughs> Uh, so this is Exodus chapter 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for my strength of, my strength of hand and the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day, you are going out to the month Abib. Is that a month name? Yeah. Abib? Well, usually I think it usually has V's. So it's like Aviv. Aviv. My, mine says A-B-I-B. So maybe, maybe it's Aviv. Um, in the month Aviv. Uh, verse, four, or verse 5. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in your quarters. You shall... Tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came from Egypt. It shall be as a sign to you on your hand and on, and as a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouths. For what a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. This is an interesting thing to point out because we 
we talk a lot about this, like in um, church, about the mark of the beast. <laughs> and we hear the mark or the sign that's going to be on your foreheads or on your hand, right? But we don't really talk a lot about the times where it talks about the mark of God. Like there's the mark of the beast and the mark of God. And this is just one of the things that he says will be like a sign and some some translations say mark on your hand and on your forehead. Satan counterfeits. And this is something I, I hope we all understand. Satan does not do anything original. He always wants to counterfeit God because he wants to deceive everybody. And the best way to deceive God's people is with a counterfeit. So what we see here is God is trying to give them something to live by because it even says the word law. So I'm, I'm assuming God's trying to reference the Ten Commandments and his law of love and, and that kind of stuff. But what he's saying here is it shall be on your hands and a memorial between your eyes. Um, I know there's some version that actually some versions that actually say instead of between your eyes, it actually calls it the frontlets. The frontlets are the space between your eyes. <laughs> and I know this is getting a little deeper than, than expected, but do you guys know what this uh, uh, section of your brain is right in your forehead? Cranial. Yep. But what what part? Because your brain is broken into different different segments, oh, and your brain about is the brain, brain. Yeah, yeah. That I'm sorry, is your brain. That's actually the. Uh, but that's more your cognitive functions. So you can actually do anything. Like everything that you do is normally right there. So it's a normal reaction. It's a normal thing for you to do that. The front section, though, like this very, like, it's a very small part of the lobe of the brain. Right. The very small front part of it. That part of your brain is for decision making. Ah. Did you know that? Yeah. And guess what happens when people get lobotomies? They remove the decision part. <laughs> they remove the frontal part of their brain. And that's why most people who, who have had that, I'm not saying everybody, obviously I'm saying some, some, maybe I should say some people that have it. Do they still do that? I thought they no, didn't even no, do that. I don't think loud. they do. No, I don't think they do. It's but I'm just yeah, saying. I think it always went very badly. Right. It and has. I've heard of stories, right. And that's, that's my point. I've heard of stories that most people that I've heard of, they become either one, very different people, drastically different personalities, or they become, and, and, and I, I say this, with all due respect, they become a vegetable, basically, where they, they're there, but they're not making decisions like they used to. Like, they can't make those those decisions. I just, I find it very, very interesting that it says your hand, your hand is the thing that you do things with. Right. So, in other words, God is saying in your actions, and then a memorial between your eyes. In other words remembering what decisions to make. Like God is trying to help. I don't know. I just, I get geeked out about that kind of stuff because that frontal part of your brain, it, that forehead part of your brain, it, that is your decision-making. So chapter 13, verse 11, and it shall be when the Lord brings you out to the land, uh, I'm sorry, into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you that you shall set apart the Lord all that you open the womb that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have the males shall be the Lord's but every firstborn of a donkey you shall re redeem with a lamb and if you will not redeem it then you shall break its neck and all the firstborn of the man of the man among your sons 
you shall redeem. Okay, so stop right there. Before the whole sons thing, is it talking about sacrificing? Sounds like he's talking about sacrificing. I'm going with that, yes. So it sounds like the firstborn like are sacrificed. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like the firstborn are sacrificed. Yeah, so the firstborn, and that's, I feel like there's a lot more clarity that kind of comes to these instructions later, like when there's actually the temple, but the, it was the firstborns that was given to the priests for the sacrifice. Yeah, it sounds like this is like a, an airplane crash course of some of the ceremonies inside the sanctuary service. Right. <laughs> all, right uh, all right, so uh, verse 14. Uh, so it shall be when your son asks you in the time to come, saying, uh, what is this that you shall say to him? By the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and it came, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of the sons of, of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign to your hand, I'm sorry, on your hand, and on and as frontlets, once again, frontlets means that, that space between your forehead, that actually lambs have that space between their forehead. They call it frontlets. It's that space just between the horns. Um, between your eyes, for, my str for by strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Susanna brought up a great point about this is going to be clarified, I think, way deeper, much later on. So we'll find that out probably in about... I don't know, probably about nine chapters or so, it'll it'll really start hitting heavy and bringing up a lot of heavy stuff about the sanctuary service. So, Right, and that's kind of the nice thing, honestly, about how it lays this out, is it gives you a little bit, and you might have kind of a, okay, that's important, and then it gives you a little more information, and you're like, okay, I'm starting to understand it, and then it gives you more information. Like, it doesn't, it would probably be very overwhelming if he gave all of the instructions right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, because at this point, they still have, uh, even if God laid this out right now, before, okay, so those of you who don't know, and, and we find out a little bit later on, like the next chapter, uh, so we're going to kind of end here. This is chapter 13, uh, verse 16, so we're going to kind of end here, but later on, it talks about where they're headed, and they're headed to uh, what's, what's known today as the Mountain of Laws, what's known in here as Mount Sinai they don't have like a two-day journey. They've got a long way to go because they can only travel as fast as the slowest person or animal. I wonder though, what if it was the firstborn of, what if it was the firstborn of the mother, but not the firstborn of the father? Do you know what I mean? Like what if a man was married and then he had like three or four kids and they all, you know, grew, were grown up adults and his wife died early on. And then he got remarried and had another kid with this, with this, right. or he just had multiple wives. So he had multiple firstborns. Maybe. Right. I don't, I feel right. Like, like, is it the firstborn of the father or is it the firstborn? I think born? it's the firstborn of the father because okay. with, with uh, Jacob, he had multiple wives and the firstborn was still the firstborn, even though oh, like, that's true. The other wife didn't have a kid until a little bit later. Right, it was or supposed whatever, to be like it was supposed to be Reuben. Yeah, so yeah. Reuben, you know, he was still technically the firstborn. It wasn't like when Leah had a kid. I don't remember which one didn't have kids for a while. I think Rachel. <laughs> okay, so like yeah. when Rachel finally had a kid, it's not like that was the physical firstborn. Then all of a sudden, again, like he had two firstborns. 
All right, so let's go ahead and uh, close out then, if nobody has anything else. Uh, Joe, could you give us a closing word of prayer, man? Father God, I thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you for your word. I think I thank you for the beautiful gift that it is to us. Father, I thank you for who and what you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, well, this has been Justin. This has been Sully. This has been Joe. This is Susanna. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Once again, you can reach us at biblicalchili.com and also buddywalkwithjesus.com. Joe's got a podcast out there as well. So, Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. Also, each week, Biblical Chili goes live on YouTube. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to biblicalchili.com. We also want to make sure we give a shout out to one of our co-hosts, Joe, who's a host on buddywalkwithjesus.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. We'll see you later. Man, I got to get a tagline. <laughs> I keep wanting to say goodnight. All right. Have a nice day. I think you need to have the goodbye tagline for now. This is just is not working for me. Fare thee well and stuff. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you. <laughs>